Hello and welcome to Renegade Mama. I am your host, Natalie Rees. Today on the show, I speak with Canadian teacher and homeschooler, Jessica Wallace. Jessica part-time homeschools her own children, as well as tutoring other homeschool children. She chats about prioritizing the joy of learning and how we can view learning as exciting and inspiring rather than a task. We also chat about the Finnish system where transversal life skills are prioritized over a strict focus on academics. When kids really want to learn, it all becomes so much easier. Jessica's experience teaching everywhere from Canada to the Cayman Islands to Australia and in various methodologies such as Steiner and Montessori has produced a very interesting and unique view on education. Enjoy. Welcome Jessica to the Renegade Mama. Jessica, you are from Canada. Yes. And you are a homeschooler yourself. Yes. You also are a teacher and you run Inspired Education. But uh, just introduce me to yourself about you, who you are, who your family is, and yeah, what you do in your words. Lovely. Thank you for uh, inviting me to come on, the Renegade Mama. Um, So my name's Jessica Wallace, and I've been living in Perth for about three years. And upon arriving, I saw that there was the education system was very different here there were uh it seemed to be a lot less options and a lot less alternatives uh for children uh to be educated my own children are quite young uh, i have a five-year-old son and an eight-year-old daughter and i wanted more for them i wanted more not just for them but as a teacher and coming and working in the the system here i saw so many children suffering from depression and anxiety, so many children um, not able to learn because they were dealing with so many other issues in their home life and in their school life with bullying. And uh, it just, it sort of helped, pushed me towards a realization that the school systems have almost lost focus of what is actually important. And uh, I, I began asking myself, what is it that is important? What is it that we, we should be aiming for? And I kind of came up with a list after doing a lot of research. I love doing research. So I researched a lot of education systems from around the world. Uh, Finland is a standout for me because it's been number one in the world for so long and because they they put very little into their education system. They don't spend a lot of money. They don't, um, they aren't always changing their curriculum. What they do, what the, I've uh, understand the fundamental tenet to be of the Finnish education system is that they prioritize the joy of learning. Mm. And so what I realized is that we need to, as a society, I, I think, not just as as teachers and students, but as families, as parents, we need to uh, sort of relearn how to enjoy learning and to view it as something that's beautiful and exciting and inspiring, not something that's challenging and anxiety-producing and, and should be dreaded. 
Um, so what I did is I came up with, again, based on the Finnish education system, um, I came up with something, I, I tweaked it a little bit, but they call them transversal skills. Mm -hmm. And that's what their curriculum focuses on, are these skills that help you in life. So with this thought of how can we create a better world, our world's kind of, a lot of systems are crumbling, our world's a little, kind of falling apart at the moment uh, in some aspects. And so what I tried to do was come up with some, uh, a basic framework for which uh, to focus a curriculum on where academics isn't necessarily the number one uh, focus, but what I can see with the Finnish education system and what I can see with my own inspired education uh, tutoring program that I run is that when you switch the focus to the holistic health of the child, then the academics automatically go sky high. Yeah. So the transversal life skills that I decided to focus on, number one was respect. Mm -hmm. uh, we focus on love and acceptance, not just of others, but of self as well. We work on a lot of communication skills uh, so that students learn when they're feeling upset or when they're feeling uh, attacked, then they learn how to communicate those concerns without uh, making the, the problem get bigger, but how to de-escalate instead. So important, isn't it? It is. It really is. And it made me realize that a lot of adults need this too. So yeah. we, um, a lot of teachers uh, especially, we're trying so hard. And I think teachers are trying really hard, but they've got a bit of an impossible job at the moment because mm. helping 30 children, giving every child exactly what they need um, with such a short time frame and such a stress-inducing curriculum is really just an impossible task. So instead what I've found is if we take a step back and focus on things like creative problem solving, then you can allow a child to direct their own education and with these life skills like collaboration and conflict resolution and meaningful action, forgiveness, giving to others, all of this, if they learn these skills, then you don't have to, um, say, pummel this information into them. Mm -hmm. It almost comes out of them naturally. They've yeah. already got it inside them. I see my job now not as a teacher anymore, but as, and not as an expert, not as, um, as the, the one who knows it all, but more as a facilitator i'm mm. there to help them when they hit a roadblock and they mm -hmm. forget perhaps uh they start to use a fixed mindset and say things like i can't do this or i don't want to do this then we just i help them refocus and bring them back to themselves because their true nature is a curious soul who wants to grow mm -hmm. i think we all start out as that and then we get put into these systems and we're told, no, this way, do it this way, do it this way. But we're all so unique that it just isn't fitting anymore, this, this one-size-fits-all education and this uh, demanding of this, this intense curriculum, too, I find. The, my issue with that is that a lot of the curriculum hasn't taken into account child develop, brain development. Yes, and you were saying this to me earlier about... Um times tables weren't mm, you yeah so a lot of children uh are 
I don't want to use the word forced, but are strongly encouraged to learn their times tables way before their brain is actually able of comprehending abstract concepts like multiplication. So it's a lot of schools now are learning this and trying to incorporate more hands-on materials. But at the same time, I take the sort of a different stance in why are we rushing? This is we don't have to speed this up. If it, if it will come to them when their brain is ready, then let's do it. Let's investigate it when they are ready. So instead of flipped it, flipped sort of the, the whole concept of education to what does the child want to learn? What is the child interested in? Mm -hmm. And how can we springboard off that? Mm -hmm. So I've, I've set up um, this inspired education I am a tutor for, for other kids, as particularly homeschooled children, yep. who are um, perhaps struggling with the curriculum because then the, the parents feel this sense of urgency to fulfill the curriculum as fast as possible and think they're not doing their child justice when they aren't ticking the boxes fast enough. But again, what I keep discovering over and over and over again is if we support the child where they're at with the interests they currently have, then the curriculum all gets covered, whether uh, it's according to, you know, the, the state's timeline might not be uh, in exactly the same time. For example, I have a, a, one of the students that comes to me um, for some support. Uh, he's six and he's his is doing electronic work, working with uh, electronic systems and is developing all these different machines that normally students don't get to do until much later yeah. in the, if we were to be following the curriculum. But because he's interested now, he's just exploding with all of this knowledge. And you would think, oh, a six-year-old can't be, you know, an engineer already, but he is. He's yeah. doing engineering and design and um, he's doing amazing at it. And, he, and same thing, I have a 15-year-old who's now being homeschooled and he's, he's been pushed and pushed and pushed in the school systems until he didn't want to be there anymore. It was d destroying his soul, who he really was as a person. And so now he's here and he really has always wanted to focus on art. Mm. So he's finally getting a chance to spend a day painting. If that's what he needs, then then that's what he needs. But through that and through his art, he's discovering mandalas. He's discovering sacred geometry, which is actually math. So even yeah. though uh, we may view these subjects as so separate, uh, when we think in terms of a curriculum, we think, oh, first, you know, you learn math and language, and then you can branch out in other subjects. But life is... Uh, integrated life yes. is everything's intrinsically linked <laughs> everything is connected mm -hmm. and what um i'm again i'm learning as i'm creating yeah. this i love being a lifelong learner uh, and what i keep learning is that they cover way more of the curriculum when i let them direct their own education yeah and it sticks because they actually are interested exactly. in exactly <laughs> i'm the prime example of acing you know, milking the system. I ha I liked to collect degrees when I was younger. I my mom called me the permanent student because I 
I had a, I have a degree in psychology and art and in education. But um, so I loved learning, but I would memorize everything for the exam. I would ace the exam, but then afterwards, the day after the exam, people would say, well, what, what was the exam about? And I would have absolutely zero memory. So I was taking everything into my short-term memory and not actually retaining any of the knowledge that I was supposedly learning at some of the top, most elite universities in the world. So um, again, I just feel like I'm, the, I'm a great example for um, how you can use the, the system to, to accomplish what you want in life, but there are so many other ways and to do it. And more easier, <laughs> more enjoyable, much more yeah. um, sustainable. Because as yeah. a teacher, when I was teaching in mainstream, I very quickly learned how quickly teachers either burn out or yeah. become cynical. Let's talk about your um, journey teaching. So let's, where did you start with that? I started teaching in Canada. I was fresh out of teacher's college uh, from Queen's University, and I, I jumped with wholeheartedly f f both feet straight into the education world. I immediately got a job teaching at uh, a, a wonderful school in the, an inner city area, so there was a lot of uh, low socioeconomic status families and some issues within the school with some of the students. And I didn't, I had received no training at Teachers College uh, into learning disabilities, or I did not even know what autism was at the time when oh, I, wow. when I began teaching and, and so on. How my, old were you? I was 21, very I believe. Young. I was very yeah. young. And I walked into my classroom on the first day, my aunt, who was a principal, had given me the ceramic apple and I put it on my desk and I felt so, so excited about how I was going to share this adventure with all these children and I had a student walk in who had um, autism, and I didn't realize at the time, but she did have a particular issue with apples. And she walked in, picked up my ceramic apple, tried to take a bite, and when she found out it was not an edible apple, she smashed it on the floor. <laughs> and I felt like that smashed apple was just a, a metaphor Big for the symbol. rest of my, te my teaching career in mainstream. I was, in my first four years of teaching, I was stabbed four times. I was wow. involved in, uh, I had to get a restraining order against a parent who kept coming into my classroom. It was a very challenging uh, experience for me. And I very quickly realized that these students coming to me had much deeper issues and they were not able to learn mm. the curriculum. They needed to be supported to feel good about themselves. They needed a safe place. They needed an adult who wasn't um, frustrated with them. They needed an adult to hold space for them to be. And that's what I learned quickly enough is that if I respected them, just like I would respect an elder, just like I would respect an adult, uh, or a boss, if I treated them with the same level of respect, then they started feeling safer and safer. Um, to sort of give me a glimpse of who they really were and mm. what they were interested in. The only way I found I could get them to learn was if I made it interesting for them. So I remember my first year teaching, I, they were all, Survivor had just, the show Survivor had just come on TV and everybody was into it. So 
I turned our classroom into Survivor. And in order to uh, win, uh, they had to win different challenges, but it was all group-based too. And they had to collaborate. They had to work together as teams to um, accomplish these goals to try and win immunity from homework. And it was, it was a, it became fun for them. And then as soon as they felt safe, and started enjoying themselves, then, only then did I see the students were able to start saying, oh, what about this? And then I saw that they started wondering about things and investigating things and uh, actually learning. Mm. So that was um, a big learning curve for me those first four years. But I did, I burnt out after the, the last <laughs> stabbing incident. I, I, uh, I had a very lovely boy just ask me so politely if he could stick. He brought his a knife that he got from his dad to school, and he asked. He said, "Jessica, can I stick this in your arm?" And I said, "No, no, thank you." And he did it anyway. Oh <laughs> but, wow! And then I sent him to the principal's office with the knife, and he was sent back to the classroom five minutes later, and she had returned the knife to him. So it just and again, I I don't blame the principal. I don't blame. Um, the even the system, I think it's uh, a reflection of just an overwhelmed uh, system mm. that the principal's overwhelmed with the amount of issues she's dealing with, the teachers are overwhelmed. And um, what I'm seeing now with the project that I'm doing is that the more I focus on the the mental health of the child and giving them, emotionally I call it emotional literacy but yes. learning skills to deal with their own self-defeating thoughts mm -hmm. giving them skills to so that when they come up against a big problem and they feel like they can't do it what are all the strategies available to them helping them learn those skills as opposed to telling them what to learn yes it makes all the difference in the world it's like learning those life skills that you were talking about at the start first because then it's so much easier to it is it makes everything easier and even i'm st i'm just kind of doing it backwards as an adult myself i'm only learning these emotional literacy skills now myself as an adult but as I learn them, everything in my life becomes easier. Mm -hmm. Even, for example, balance. I've decided that five days a week is not sustainable for me. Mm -hmm. So I give myself, uh, I've decided a two-day work week is mm -hmm. what I want. So yep. I work, I, I tutor uh, children, including my own, on Mondays and Tuesdays. And I take a break on Wednesdays. Wednesdays is just for whatever I my family needs to do to reground to uh, fill our tanks again so that we have more to give on our I call it the Wednesdays our mini weekend now so Thursday and Friday is the next is the next chunk of the week that we work through that's cool and it's uh, it's created this lovely rhythm um, for us to prioritize our well-being mm -hmm. And again, that's what I'm doing with my own children and yeah. my students. Yeah. Um, so tell me, you did your four years, you burnt out. What happened after that? I, I, I decided to, um, believe it or not, I've moved to Australia. This is my third time. I, my first time I moved to Australia when I was 16. I was, oh. I was on my own. I was like, that's it. I'm, I'm, it's time to explore the world. I'm going out. But I, I so I explored Australia first when I was 16, then after this four-year stint of teaching in, in uh, some pretty rough uh, school areas, 
I then thought, I just can't do this anymore. I can't, I, it's not sustainable for me. I'm not enjoying being stabbed. <laughs> I, I was dealing with, like I had young students who were involved with a lot of drugs mm -hmm. and there was a lot of um, just really sad things occurring within the community and these students were not able to receive what I wanted to give. I wasn't being, I wasn't helping them yep. as much as I wanted to. And that was really hurting my soul as, as well as I felt I was letting them down. Mm -hmm. So I decided to take a break from teaching. Didn't last as long as I thought it would. I came to Australia and decided to become a surf bum. I only lasted about three months. I think I was traveling up the East coast of Australia and then I was headhunted to be, um, I got an email asking if I would please come and teach in the Caribbean. Mm -hmm. uh, so they asked me to come and teach in the Cayman Islands. I had to find out, first I said, is it hot there? And they said yes. So then I was, I'm a very bad Canadian. I don't like the cold. Yeah. So I said, as long as it's hot there, I'll come. So I, I thought uh, they offered me a chance to only teach art, which is a, a passion of mine. I have been an artist since, I think I held a, a paintbrush before I ever held a pencil. Um, and so I went and taught in the Cayman Islands. Uh, I t only taught art uh, for a few years. I really uh, enjoyed it because it was a subject that most students feel uh, it's a very easy medium to express yourself with. So yes. it was almost like I got to only focus on their well-being through art. So mm. I did enjoy that significantly. And then I was offered the opportunity to um, become the uh, head of education, the manager of education and outreach for the National Gallery. And then I began working with uh, the University of the Cayman Islands and the College of the Cayman Islands uh, for uh, teaching the teachers as well to uh, go around and share with them more information about how to, I know a lot of teachers are afraid to incorporate art into their classroom a lot of the time because of them. They're afraid of the mess. They're afraid <laughs> of the, it, it's the mess. Yeah. <laughs> everybody's afraid of the mess. So I shared a lot of skills on how to manage that. Yeah. And ultimately it comes down into making the children accountable for their own mess mm. and saving enough time at the end, yeah. uh, so that they can, uh, clean up the, themselves. So yep. what I've learned over the years, uh, and my mom is a, was a teacher. She's oh, retired now, but she also, when I was, I remember in teacher's college, I, she kept saying, you have to make sure that the kids do the work, not you. And I think I'm sticking to that. But, um, what I learned with art too, is that the kids should be doing the cleanup. It's their, oh. it's their projects. It's their work. I shouldn't, I, I shouldn't have to be a slave. I should be the facilitator providing the materials, but I come back to respect with that one because respect of the environment is a big, uh, mm. is a big, um, belief of, of inspired education because, uh, if you, uh, I often in the, at the beginning, when I first am talking to the children about this, I often say, you know, this paintbrush, it's like, you have to treat it like a baby. This is your baby. You have to take care of it because if you don't take care of it, then you won't be able to use it anymore. It won't be able to be, to give and to, to help you create these amazing things. So treat it as you would like just something just as precious, something that you really love. And, and then they often end up teasing me and being like, Jessica, did you put the baby on its head? <laughs> if I put the paintbrush in upside down, but, uh, <laughs> But then they, they can see it from this perspective of 
if I want to continue painting, mm-hmm. if I leave the paint in the brush, then the brush isn't going to be usable. And so I actually let them make these mistakes. Yeah, it's that self-responsibility. Yes. I think I'm really big on that. Because... So I, I leave the paint in the brush and the brush does get ruined sometimes. Mm-hmm. And then we don't have, we can't paint for yeah. quite a while. And what often comes out of that and what has uh, a few terms ago came out of that is, you know, one student left their brush out and the brush got uh, got ruined. And so what they ended up doing instead, it was learning how to paint, how to make their own brush and oh, paint cool. with their own brush. And they took really good care of those brushes that yeah. they made themselves. And so even though I had, you know, we, you have to ultimately make a choice of what's more important. Is it the paintbrush? Is it from a, from the educator's perspective? Are you, is the paintbrush more important or is the child learning the lesson more important? Mm-hmm. And to me, it's always the child is, is the most important and what are they learning? And sometimes those lessons are hard because sometimes mm-hmm. they do uh, think that they can't paint because the brush is ruined. And so they get discouraged and then I help them work through that with growth mindset. Yeah and help them come to this understanding that that's a, a natural consequence of of an action mm-hmm. and every all of our actions in life have consequences and so it's important to think through and save time for um taking care of the environment and taking care of others mm-hmm. so true um the, yeah here you go just the growth mindset applies to the their peers as well i find with the same thing mm. if they have a difficulty with a peer, they have to really invest the energy and time into reconciling and communicating with the individual so that they can resolve the issue rather than have uh, a relationship that produces stress or causes them to not want to learn anymore. So again, it's about I think choosing where you invest your time and energy. Yeah, and again, in the classroom, that's so hard because you've got 30 kids to deal with. So how do you do that? And if you're focused on ticking the boxes of the curriculum, then that's where you put your time and energy into sort of stuffing it into each child. Yeah. But if you flip your perspective to viewing the children as already coming with everything they need inside of them, and that's what, when I I was looking for a name for... uh, my my new project to the inspired education just seemed to fit because I learned that the word inspired actually means to breathe life into mm. uh, and the word education actually means to lead to lead out from within mm-hmm. it doesn't mean to take something and stuff it into an empty vessel it means that my job as an educator should be to help what's already inside that child Mm -hmm. because it's going to be different for every single child and I know this of my own children how different they are yes I want to get to this so um when did you have children how so what happened so so I was in in the the Cayman Islands teaching art and then uh teaching the teachers and adults and I was teaching everyone from kindergarten up through to I think my oldest student was 92 and it was funny I was seeing the children were coming to me saying I'm an artist I'm an artist and I had these and then the adults coming to me saying I can't do art I suck at it so it was this realizing that something's happening when children are being educating that takes away our belief in ourselves to learn yeah 
And so what I had to teach the adults essentially is that everything, you need to look at everything as a skill that you can gain if you practice, practice, practice. And if you have practiced and given it your all and you can't gain it, then perhaps you don't have the right strategies. Or you don't want it that much. (laughs) Or you don't want it that much. Exactly. Is it worth this much energy? You need to. So this is something I started seeing and then I, I did, I met my husband in the Cayman Islands and yeah. uh, we decided that we wanted to have a family and mm-hmm. I wanted to be closer to my family. We ended up going back to Canada mm-hmm. and to have our children. And I decided that after my, my children were born, I wanted to continue educating because I love, I love seeing children experience the joy of learning. To yeah. me, that fills my tank. Mm-hmm. So I started i opened uh, a play school uh so that i could again be with my children oh, you but said this still like a, what educating. we call a daycare in australia is yeah, that yeah right? yeah it was like yeah. a, it was like a daycare, a family daycare. I, call, I can't even remember what i called it now but it was yeah. a, it was a, a play school of the arts i think okay. is what i called it and um i had other young children coming to me and we would play all day long and just have so much fun and it was lovely did you have one at this stage I, I started it when I had one, yeah. and then I quickly learned that daycare re- requirements are, I can see why they burn out too, because yeah. their day starts, for me, I had people dropping off their children at about 6.30 a.m., oh, wow. and then staying until 5 or later some days, some days it was until almost 7 p.m., some days, and again, it just wasn't sustainable five days a week. I just d- didn't have the energy to do it. And I was doing it alone, which was the hardest part, I think. I was yeah. the sole adult. Um, so all of this has given me a lot of insight over the years, all of these mistakes I've made and yeah. learning. I, now I look at mistakes as these beautiful learning experiences. So at Inspired we actually cheer when we make mistakes. Oh, we yeah, see it great. as this wonderful thing because uh, in my psychology degree, I did learn that uh, you're with, um, our brain physiology, the, the neurotransmitters in our brain don't form new connections unless we're failing. Mm. If you're not failing, then your brain is technically not learning anything new, Exactly. which means you're not challenging yourself enough. So you're just doing something you are already familiar with, yeah, yeah. which has its place as well. But, um, I, so I, I decided to let go of the, um, of the daycare and I, my, I was very lucky to have, um, an amazing woman who was running, uh, a school from her home and she had a farm. She, she lived just down the road from us, uh, Jacqueline flowers. And she was a great inspiration for me because she jazz would come home from my daughter would come home from she we called it school uh she would come home from school and would say oh i worked so hard today and i would think oh she's so young i don't want her to be you know slaving away at a desk and finally i would ask what kind of work were you doing and she was like well first i had to i had to catch all the chickens and put them in the chicken coop and then i had to collect all the eggs and then i had to climb a tree and then i had and i realized that her work is play and I I almost envied her and then as um, I I went into Montessori schools I I then started looking into different forms of education because Mm -hmm. the the farm school she was attending was a Montessori farm school Mm -hmm. so I got my Montessori qualifications I had previously done um, 
teacher experience in Waldorf schools, in Steiner schools. I'd been curious about all the different ways we can learn. But uh, so I I started working in a Montessori school in Canada. And uh, again, I just saw these students who um, were given a very strict framework to work within and weren't able to grow outside of that framework Mm. and that framework was lovely for about two or three of the children in each of the classroom and the rest of the kids needed more they needed different challenges Mm. they just some just needed to run (laughs) some some little kids have a ton of energy and they need to be moving their bodies constantly they're not meant to be sitting still Mm -hmm. doing these repetitive um closed outcome uh, exercises. So what I saw when I was working in the Montessori school was that um, it, there it had its place for a lot of kids, but a, lo- a lot of kids needed more. Yeah. And so my after five years in Canada, my husband said I, I'd like a turn with my family in Australia. My husband is from Perth, so we yeah. moved here to uh, to Australia. And um, I began teaching in a Montessori school here, uh, which was, again, a lovely experience, but again, a learning, a learning curve for myself in seeing uh, how every child is so unique and what works for one, it doesn't mean it's going to work for the other. And again, and why it, homeschooling is so good because exactly, we can tailor exactly it, our needs of our children. That's exactly it. Having been through so many different systems, Catholic, private, Montessori, Steiner, Waldorf. I've taught in all of them and having seen all of these amazing systems with great intentions, it's just really made me realize we need to start with each individual. Mm -hmm. We need to, that should be our starting starting point, not necessarily theory. Um, to, To sit down with a child and respect them enough, no matter what their age, to respect them enough to say, what do you want to mm-hmm. learn about? What are you interested in? Yep. Opens doors that I don't think many people have ever opened. And mm-hmm. so they don't know that there's magic on the other side. Absolutely. And it's giving me goosebumps right now because yeah. I see the magic every day. And I see every day how we're covering way more of the curriculum than I ever covered Uh, teaching in all these other different systems. Mm -hmm. I saw how many more community connections we're making. I see how their curiosity gets lit and then they take off and it makes my job so much easier. I really, I'm almost making myself redundant now with what I'm doing because once I've given the skills, the children these skills to, to learn for themselves and grow and uh, overcome challenges, I'm not needed anymore. And I love it when that happens. I can sit back and just watch the magic happening all around me, watch each child uh, working on either a group project or an individual project, and then they decide when they've when they need a break, they decide when they're ready to switch gears into a different topic or a different subject or a different project. They decide uh, when they want to read a book. Some of the children read lots of books at the same time, so they're ongoing and they keep their 
There are personalized bookmarks in several books at a time. Some children just stick to one book and they finish that book and then move on. So I'm seeing that every child is so unique that ultimately their education is going to look so, so different. different. And how is that for your two? Are they really different? Oh my gosh, my children are chalk and cheese. They're totally different. Uh, and I used to think that uh, nurture, uh, the nature versus nurture debate, I was all over, oh, it's nurture and society do, you know, gives us these, these masks to wear, these belief systems. And so I remember before my daughter was born, I was like, I, I, uh, my mom threw, or my family threw us a baby shower. I was like, no pink and, you know, gender neutral toys. And, and then I had my daughter and she came out a sparkly pink princess so as a as a feminist I've really had to come to terms with letting her be herself and allowing her to experiment and play with this role of princess and question it and uh, just really go deep into it for herself as opposed to imposing my own beliefs about what she should be and Mm -hmm. Uh, and then my son was born and where my daughter can will sit and work on something quietly for such a long period of time. My son is, we, we like to joke and call him the tornado. He, he just walks into a room and he's got uh, 10 things going on at once and the, the louder and the crashier it is, the better. But at the same time, he, in his, in his movement and his, crashing he's created such incredible things that i would never thought of the 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 imagination that comes out while he's doing those movements and making noise and having space to allow for that and also helping him understand that he needs to respect the other children who who require silence Mm. and um allowing ways for both of those to happen even at the same time um, has been a real learning curve for me so again I I am a a lifelong learner I see all of these uh, adventures as opportunities to learn and grow and I'm I'm hoping that uh, I'm working with another amazing educator Jillian Howarth uh, she and I have been working together for uh, almost a year now, and we're really excited to be our next step. What we want to focus on is is helping adults reclaim the joy of learning so that they themselves, even if they're home educating their own children, to um, feel more confident in themselves mm. mainly is the is the main goal to not worry so much about the curriculum yes. even and to hear that from a teacher I think gives them a lot more hope yes <laughs> because I know it can seem overwhelming um when you look at the curriculum uh, uh having not been come from the world of education mm-hmm. looking at the curriculum can seem like oh I don't know I don't know algebra there's no yes. I don't remember any of this there's no way I could teach it yeah. but that's the thing you I want to express to the to the parents and now we're off we're actually beginning to offer um some courses for adults who right. want to be educators that doesn't mean you you may or may not want to be a teacher in the system you may yeah. or may not want to be a home educator but it's more about um 
rediscovering play, rediscovering mm -hmm. wonder in your own life so that you can allow uh, a child to do the same, yeah. to make space for a child to do the same. And then seeing how uh, that covers the curriculum a, th a thousand so, times yeah. more deeply than, than if they went and sat at a desk and were just talked at and expected to be silent yeah, for most yeah. of the day. I, um, what I wanted to talk to you, you told me the other day um, and this morning about your children and I think what's really interesting with you and I think with a lot of homeschoolers, you kind of do mm -hmm. a bit of a hybrid thing with schooling. So you yes. give them the opportunity to go to the local school, which they sometimes do. Yes. And then they're sometimes here. How, tell me how that works, how it works with the school, how it works with you yeah. um, and them. So I've we weren't sure what quite what to do with education. When we first moved to um, Australia, we knew, we didn't know many people, so we wanted uh, a community. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a really interesting point with homeschooling because for some people, they can feel very isolated homeschooling. Yes, exactly. And so I had uh, pondered homeschooling, but I thought initially a good way to form a community would be, the, ultimately I wanted to make a community very quickly. Yes because that's so important to me. And having not had a community in the past, having moved around the earth and knowing how isolating it can feel mm -hmm. to be doing it on your own is not something I wanted to repeat. Yeah. So I very quickly, um, we didn't, I didn't realize how the education system works here. So I, we literally went eeny, meeny, miny, mo. Yeah. We're gonna, we looked at one house and we were like, we'll take this one and we'll just go to the school that is closest. Yeah. I didn't realize that uh, at the time that people spend so much time um, looking at where really to live. choosing where to live yeah. depending on the school. Yeah. Uh, so we lucked out because we are, my children are enrolled at Creany Primary School and it's a lovely school with a really supportive community. And what I, I haven't really officially discussed anything with this school. What I do is when they're absent, the reason I give for absence is I say they're doing educational excursions that today, sometimes I am very specific and I say what they'll be doing during the day if I know what project they have in mind mm -hmm. or if we're going out for an excursion, then I will list that as the reason for being absent. I also volunteer in the school a lot. Mm -hmm. So all of the teachers are familiar with um, myself and I think that helps as well. They understand that when the kids are at home that they they understand that they are still learning that yeah. they're I'm not keeping them home um, and letting them you know just plunking them in front of the tv for the day I'm yeah. actually we're actually engaging with the world around us mm -hmm. and it seems to be a real push for this now I know just um here in Perth there's a Facebook group called um hybrid education yeah. and everyone is trying to change the laws so we can do this kind of yes. hybrid education because officially we're not um allowed inverted commas to do yeah what you're doing yes um yeah but it is up to the I think the particular school to either yes say I've yes heard or no. lots of parents say that too that it is up to the particular school yeah and uh I guess ultimately for me I always knew that I'm very comfortable homeschooling my children so mm -hmm. if the school did say to me mm -hmm. um this isn't this isn't acceptable mm -hmm. anymore then I would say okay mm -hmm 
thank you for your for your time but my children are now going to be homeschooled yeah so um uh I'm very comfortable with that Mm -hmm. so if the school does make that decision then I would uh be happy to have them home every day And now that we've got, I've got other homeschooled children coming here as well, our homeschool community has grown so yes. much that it, it's not a big issue, it's about the not community a big anymore. issue anymore. Yeah. So, uh, and I do see them sort of outgrowing the school system. They come home more and more um, just frustrated with little things, having to wait in line for a really long time, having to deal with... Um, disrespectful behavior that the teachers don't have time to deal with because they have so much curriculum to plow through um, that and so many such diverse learning needs and Mm. with 30 children it's it's really tricky to uh, it's it's practically impossible to give 30 children everything they need when you're one adult Uh, even in Canada I was uh I and and here in Australia when I was teaching at the Montessori school I had uh over I'd say over 70% of the class was on an individual education plan which meant they needed uh a different uh either a different curriculum or modifications or adaptations to what they were learning or how they were learning it so essentially teachers are becoming more and more uh, expected to adapt their teaching to each child, but I see that as not being possible with a thirty to one ratio. Exactly. So I've uh, what I enjoy is a, a ten to one ratio yep. with ten children to one adult. But even that, I often invite other adults to to accompany us. So I I love it when the parents join in. I love it when. Um, we can go out to events. Mm -hmm. I believe community involvement is a really big part of it. Uh, we often go out, we focus on random acts of kindness a lot too, because that's an important part of, of sort of the world we want to create. And we talk about that a lot and whether our actions are moving towards the world we wish, the way we wish the world would be. Mm -hmm. So we go out, we, every time we go out to play, um, just at the local park or walk around the community or go to a, a, a reserved bushland or walk to the library, we often bring a garbage bag with us and, and gloves and we pick up garbage along the way. Yeah, that's uh, we, we, we sometimes walk to the shops and we'll buy a bouquet of flowers and we'll plant them and then we'll pick the flowers, we'll trim the flowers and make little cards and walk around the neighborhood knocking on doors and giving people flowers with a random act of kindness with a nice something nice written on a card like you are we're glad you're on this earth. Mm. And it's just um to see the children learning how to to go out of their way to be kind to others and learning how to speak to adults and elders and how to behave respectfully Mm. when we're out is again something that isn't able to be taught in schools often because they're they're learning literally within a box and I always find that with homeschool kids they're often much better at um chatting with a whole range of anyone from an adult to babies you know like definitely a hundred percent because they're exposed because they're exposed to it and I love I have uh, a quote from John 
Dewey, it's one of my favorite quotes. He says, education is not preparation for life. Education is life itself. Yes. And that's essentially what um, I'm trying to uh, develop here in Perth is this belief that um, it's okay to not be in the system um, because it's life it's real life and the system isn't always doing preparing us for life yeah there's always a criticism it's, of like how they're going to live in the real world it's like but this is the real exactly, world exactly that's exactly it that what happens inside the walls of a school is not a reflection of what happens in the real world mm. and so i believe that by leaving the system or at least having choice within the system and having more and more alternatives available and more and more communities available that are flexible to be without of the system will allow, say, for example, I know a lot of parents say, oh, I have to send my child to public school because I work. And so I, I think it's like an, a lifestyle overhaul mm. it, because it really is more about becoming more sustainable as humans yes. because I know the parents are burnt out. And I think COVID's done this for a lot of people, this kind of reassessed if some people are working at home and of course it's not um, available to everyone if you're, I don't know, an ambulance officer or something yeah. like that. But, um, you know, if we can have this kind of, again, I'm coming back to the word hybrid where, you know, maybe you are in the office two days a week and then you're at home with your kids two days exactly. and another day there somewhere else I don't know exactly that's what I'm hoping for too is a future filled with choice for because one system and making one system so blanketing uh, across the board across the country across the state it doesn't work on an individual level yeah and it seems that yeah like again COVID's woken up so many people saying hang on we're not happy like I know a few friends myself who've changed to homeschooling since COVID yep and I think the parents, ultimately, if they're con- seeing that their children are are not doing well, then I encourage them to ask themselves if they're doing well. As a parent, are you happy in your lifestyle? If not, then there's so many choices available um, to sit down and talk with someone about what choices you actually have. Yeah. Even if it means downsizing your home so that you don't need to make as much money and can afford to have a day or two where you stay home and you have a project as a parent, you that's the thing I'm learning too, is I have to model mistake making because one of the tenets of the Montessori materials is that they um, are self-correcting. So if a student does them properly, then they they come out perfect every time they never have an ink they never end up with a wrong answer Mm. and what I found working with these students is they were petrified of failing Mm. and in the real world we fail all the time yes (laughs) I so uh we I really had to help a lot of kids see that failure is not such a scary yeah. thing and That's, it builds resilience which is a really big thing resilience with kids these days exactly so i i often i have gotten really good at admitting my mistakes and mm. the kids are getting really good at pointing out my mistakes which i'm okay with yeah. because 
I'm okay with making mistakes because they are learning opportunities. Mm -hmm. And that's, I think, one thing that uh, children look up to adults and think often have this misconception, especially within the educational system, that the teacher knows everything and the teacher is the the yeah. the expert. And really, we're not. We're just human beings, perfectly imperfect, trying to to make our way in this world, just like everyone else. Yeah. And it's I like to model that to my own children and my and the students I work with because it gives them permission to try something and fail miserably and learn from it and change yeah. their approach and try again yes. in a totally different way or keep trying in the same way until they're ready to try a different way. Yeah. And it takes the scariness of learning away. It takes that anxiety away. Yeah. And the time is always well spent failing because mm -hmm. that's when when you learn the most when the neurons your neurons in your brain actually form new bridges. The neuroplasticity is this new concept that's only yeah. just coming into to the uh, mainstream. The mainstream mm. But it really is so fascinating because it's through failure that we learn. Absolutely. I, I'm my acting teacher, maybe I've said this on another podcast, he always says, fail gloriously. That's yes, his, his yes, motto. I love it. And he said, you learn way more watching bad theater than good theater because you see all their mistakes and you can learn it's from it. It's so true. It's so true. And that's why I encourage parents that are homeschooling, try to find some space to have faith in yourself, to have... Um, to allow space for even yourself to make mistakes because mm -hmm. I know how hard is it, it is as a parent to to always be trying to do what's best for your child and yes. then end up being so hard on yourself yes. and what I really encourage is to um, try and develop your own ability to see life as a wonderful opportunity to play uh, as a as a wonderful opportunity to build fluency, not just in academics, but in emotional skills, in spiritual skills, in physical skills. I think a lot of physical skills are being ignored right now oh, too yeah, in the education we're system. Down for so long. Our bodies are not healthy, and we need to move them. We need to allow children to move. But as adults, we need to move too. Yeah. Like it's no wonder even adults are suffering from all this anxiety and depression as well, because our our lifestyles have become so sedentary. We've we've we're restricting ourselves so much, mm -hmm. and just to allow space for yourself to um, try and create a better life, a more sustainable life for yourself. Yes. And then your child's life will automatically become better as well if you're um if you're aligned and you're feeling if, balanced yes and... yes if you're stressed and you're overwhelmed then your child's going to go to school and be stressed and overwhelmed oh, too yeah. i remember I, I sent my little one and look there was many reasons why i did this i sent him to pre-kindy um, one of the reasons was I wanted to put him in uh, before the vaccine laws change because yes. we don't vaccinate. And yeah. so I was like, if he's already enrolled, he can go next year and blah, blah, blah. It was all fear-based. Um, yeah. And then I went and realized I didn't want that anyway, but I wanted the option, you know. Anyway, what um, I was saying, what was I saying? Um, I just realized how restricted I felt from school. I was like, it was only two half days a week, but yeah. I was like, 
oh, I don't like this because that's not how I live my life. Yes. We're very kind of spontaneous, flexible people yeah. and we work from home ourselves. Um, and then I had to be at this time and I had to make lunch and I, I mean, <laughs> people would laugh at me even today coming here. I had to put an alarm on. I never put an alarm on to wake <laughs> up. Um, you know, I wake up when we wake up, we go to bed when we go to bed. Um, we live a very yeah flexible. I guess, flexible lifestyle and that's what is right for us. I know it's not right for everybody. Yeah. Um, but homeschooling is just so aligned with that for yes, me. And I just is. felt so suffocated just those two days it's, a week. There's so many rules. And, and I don't like rules and I don't. I understand that. And a lot of my kids will come home and say, well, why, why do I have to wear socks? Why do I have to wear shoes? And I can't answer that. Because yes. I don't know why those rules are were put in place. I'm sure they, you know, had Safety. originated originally, yeah, from, from someone got hurt. And so they put in these rules. And that's but, a crazy thing as well. Like kids have to wear shoes. We know that bare feet for kids is so important for, for humans. To connect with to the connect energy of the earth. The earth. And, but just even for like movement, it's much better. These shoes are just like. Yeah, they're warping their feet, you know. I actually saw my grandfather's feet the other day. He's 80-something, and his feet are mangled from wearing shoes his whole life. Yeah. Um, he's like massive bunions. Um, he's a farmer, so, you yeah. know, he's obviously in boots all day, and maybe that's necessary. But um, kids, you know, that's not that necessary not for necessary. them to be wearing shoes. And my mother-in-law was saying kids used to come to school in her day half of them wouldn't be wearing shoes. Yes. That was just a thing. Yeah. But now, oh no, we can't do that. Oh, H&S. And... Uh, exactly. And that's why I think the, the more choices we have in education are so important because with, uh, like what we do here at Inspired Education, it's tutoring for homeschooled children. So we have the freedom to do as opposed to the teachers don't have freedom. No. They, and teachers don't have any freedom. It's this responsibility thing that it comes back to. They are responsible for the safety of those children, yes. which I understand. But it's this kind of thing of let's start learning about responsibility for ourselves. Yes. And the children learning responsibility for themselves. If they hurt their foot, well, why did that happen? Yes. Um, and risk assessment is a huge part of what we do too. Yes. Learning to assess the risk. So would you go barefoot if you see broken glass? Yeah. You assess that the chances of getting hurt are quite mm -hmm. great, so you would not go barefoot. Exactly. Can you go barefoot when you're in a grassy area and you're going to be climbing trees? Yes, it's actually more effective to climb a tree barefoot than it is. And how high are you going to climb? Let's talk about that. Exactly. Let's People talk think about... I'm crazy sometimes <laughs> with my kids, especially some of my family. They're like, oh, they're going to hurt themselves. And I said, well, maybe they will, and they will learn. Obviously, yes. we'd be sensible, but it's like allowing them to make Make, what we were talking about make those mistakes yes. and hurt themselves and so then yes, they learn next exactly time not to do it. it and if we do it with the small things right from the start they've learned that risk assessment right from the start but if yes. suddenly we start letting them at six years old do whatever they want or for a lot of people 18 years old do whatever yes. they want then that's when it gets actually really more dangerous. dangerous i totally agree and i kind of acknowledge that sometimes there'll be people in my care um you know f friends or whatever who haven't had the same kind of parenting yeah. and then i kind of might allow that or allow is not the right word um but you know 
they can see how I do it with uh, my children, but that isn't right for that child because they haven't learned that skill. Yeah. And then it does get dangerous because yes. they will fall and they will hurt themselves. Yeah. And may, maybe more so than, you know, just a little fall that my kids do because they've got the risk assessment there. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I totally know what you're saying. And what I love to see what, what happens a lot here is that the other children will step in mm. and they will see that this child doesn't, hasn't assessed the risk and will step in and, and then model the risk assessment for them, which I think is, again, just magic when yes. the learning happens peer to peer so or beautiful. even like we have, I, on an average day, we have any, we have children between the age of five and 15 and the magic that occurs when the five-year-old teaches someone or the 15-year-old teaches someone that opportunity to uh, teach is also another way that they are learning a life skill again. <laughs> they're becoming leaders. They're becoming, so nice. and even for it to happen for the young kids to feel like they, to that they're empowered, oh, that so they have so. taught themselves something and now they know enough about it mm -hmm. to share it with someone else. Yes. Again, I love making myself redundant. Yeah. I, I just love being able yeah. to uh, on the days when um, the kids are just happy plowing away with their learning and, and helping each other. And, and learning empathy is a big one with oh, the little ones, the big ones looking after the little ones. It's and, huge. You know, these life skills of so many people, you know, may not have younger siblings or especially yeah. a 15 year old might not have a five year old yes. younger sibling. And so many people have never been exposed to young children and then yeah. they have their own kids and they're like, Oh God, what's yes. this? I've never dealt with it. But it's so important for a 15 year old to be looking after a five year old. And even for the 15 year to realize that the five year olds picking up on things that we're modeling yes. constantly. And I think uh, a lot of people, when they become parents, don't realize just how much we're modeling for our children. Oh, yeah, until they say. <laughs> until the kid repeats it. Yeah. And we're like, oh, gosh, I know exactly where that came from. Yes. But um, it is, it's absolutely magical when, when the kids are, are learning for themselves and supporting each other. And then, of course, conflict happens. It always does. And again, it's, it's happens in life. Mm -hmm. Conflict is unavoidable. So one of the really important skills that we work on from the beginning is also peaceful conflict resolution, how to express your, your emotions, how to express your, your needs without uh, tearing a strip off someone else and making the problem essentially worse. Yeah. It's how to actively listen, mm -hmm. how to paraphrase, how to creatively problem solve, how to let someone, uh, brainstorm without criticizing in the initial brainstorming phases yes. to let ideas flow as opposed to, uh, cutting down idea after idea because they may or may not have one fault in it yeah and allowing i need space to learn that, that sometime my husband would tell me <laughs> yeah i hear you my husband is also one of my greatest teachers he's always pointing out areas i can improve on yes. <laughs> as i also do for him but um yeah it's been a really incredible journey creating this inspired education and then working with jill and her uh, born wise program as mm -hmm. well 
Yeah, how, um, how can, um, we'll wrap it up soon, but how can people connect with you or learn more about what course, you do if they want to get course. in touch? So um, inspirededucationperth at gmail.com okay. is a good way to get in touch with me if you're inquiring about what I do with uh, older students. Usually I, I originally said sort of seven and up was the age I was going to work with but now I've got a six-year-old and a five-year-old so it's I think it depends on the individual and we see what works so when this uh, when the students come they will trial first to see if they enjoy it Mm -hmm. and if they're willing to engage in the different aspects of inspired ed Mm -hmm. and if the family's willing to um, commit to sort of the types of learning that we're doing here and uh, if that's the case, then they're welcome to join. Uh, I'm, I know with what the program that Jill and I, or the, I shouldn't call it a program because mm-hmm. that word is also one of the words I'm trying to delete from my vocabulary. Yeah. Um, but, uh, the, the new courses that Jill and I will be offering are, uh, through conscious education, uh, and that you can reach us through conscious education, Perth at gmail.com as well. And that is more directed towards adults who are looking to expand, um, their ability to hold space for themselves and others to learn freely within. Uh, we talk a lot about, uh, in the, in the courses that we're, we're, getting ready to provide it's about reclaiming learning letting go there's a lot of letting go that needs to happen and almost unlearning what yeah. we've been programmed they say that unschooling don't they so many yeah, people have and, to do that the parents it really themselves is a, a an unlearning phase that has to be gone through because i know that i learned a lot of things in school like um your opinions don't matter mm. i was you know you have to listen to the teacher you what you're thinking in your head doesn't really matter because you can sit there for an hour and a half with your hand raised. You and it on depends on the day whether you get chosen or not yes. to say your idea. So I learned very quickly that I was my job at school was to stay silent. Mm. And I think I was I'm, the opposite. I was the oh yeah. <laughs> I love Excuse that. Excuse me. Why is this? And I why put, why 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 oh, why I couldn't uh, help it. Yep. And I also <laughs> learned, funnily enough, I learned that if I did my work too quickly because I, uh, I loved learnings and I learned that if I worked too quickly, I felt like I was punished mm. afterwards because I would often be forced to go and help other students who didn't want to learn. And then it almost felt like it was my job to get their work done. Mm. And I didn't enjoy that either. I, I learned, I remember learning, uh, I had a boy who always used to pick on me and I remember them saying, the teacher's saying, oh, it's because he likes you. And I'm thinking, that's not a good thing to learn, that when a boy likes you, he hurts you. Like, so the things, as I've, as I've been going through the development of this, this whole conscious education concept, I've had to really face my own unlearning mm-hmm. and the, the, the beliefs that I've taken on through my own schooling. Um, and that memorization is more important than retaining information, retaining knowledge, or seeing memorization as diff- very different to wisdom. Yes. That's been a big leap for me. Um, but again, learning how to play like a child again, but with adult 
things. So again, I I've been trying to model my mistakes. So I like to ask adults and parents, when was the last time you learned a new skill? So I'm. When was the I'm last time I learned a new skill? I know I'm currently learning the ukulele. My children would oh, probably great. say very badly, but yeah. I like to say that I'm, you know, in the process yeah. of learning. Uh, editing's my one, actually. Editing this podcast. Editing. Oh, you're still learning editing. I love it. Well, my husband helps me a lot, but I'm oh, slowly. That's, and that's there. one of the strategies, though, is asking for help. It's okay. Yeah. You don't have to do everything alone. Um, yeah, the emotional. Uh, fluency is a big one for me too mm -hmm. because I was never taught how to manage emotions and now that I'm older and I've done a lot of research into what happens when we don't address our emotions and what ha can happen physically within our body and the dis-ease that comes with suppressing emotions can uh, it's really I've done a lot of learning in that realm as well and on the spiritual realm and just how we really need to start addressing ourselves first and then others as these holistic beings and we have a lot more mm -hmm. needs than just academic than just yes than just money than just like our financial needs and our academic needs are our important needs but they actually aren't the most important. And um, coming back to allowing myself to be imperfect enough and to, mm -hmm. to come back to being a beginner again yes. has been a, a fantastic journey, and I'd love to help others do that. Well, and just ultimately create a conscious curriculum so that a, wor a better world can be created. Yeah. Beautiful. No small task though. I know. Yeah, it's a big task, but it's, uh, I think what you said about starting with yourself is yeah. huge. And I, I think that in just so many areas, because then it just starts to have this ripple effect. It really everyone. does. And, you know, listening to this podcast, a lot of people will be inspired by your inspired education. <laughs> I so, hope so. Thank you so much, Jessica. It thank was, you for having me. Yeah, beautiful having you, hearing your wisdom, hearing your experiences and what you do. Thank you. Lovely. Thanks Bye. for having me. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Renegade Mama podcast. That's all for today. But if you would like to connect with me, I am on Facebook as the Renegade Mama podcast or on Insta as the underscore Renegade underscore Mama. You can also visit me on my new website, therenegademama.co, and there you'll be able to find out more information about the show, our latest birthing classes, and much more. The Renegade Mama is all about following your intuition, not the institution. We are sovereign. We are free. If you like the Renegade Mama podcast, then leave a review. You can do so on iTunes or our Facebook page. The Renegade Mama is released weekly on both Apple iTunes, Spotify, our website, or wherever you get your podcasts.